Welcome back to Black Cacaf Trudies. I'm your host, Christina. We're going to discuss Vikings Season 3, Episode 3, Warriors Fate. It has been a little while since we've been in the world of Ragnar Lothbrook, but here we are. This episode is written, of course, by Michael Hurst, directed by Jeff Woolno. I gave it an 8.6 out of 10. I liked everything that was going on in London, or England, I should say. However, it was very frustrating because Floki very much devolved into <laughs> the most annoying person ever. Man, shut your bitch ass up, nigga. Nobody asked you how a bitch ass thing. You better shut the fuck up before I knock your fucking head off your shoulder, little ugly ass bitch. Just constantly in Ragnar's ear, second guessing him. Uh, very much bringing up his own desires not not at all trying to have any forethought and quite frankly is just jealous of his relationship with Athelstan <laughs> then we got whatever the fuck is going on in Cadigat which is far less interesting and where we will begin but before we do where we listen to this podcast Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share. And if you want to send feedback for Vikings or any other show that I'm doing, blackercouch at gmail.com. In Cadigate, we have Aslug very much being taken in by the Wanderer. By the, what, what was his name? He had some weird fucking name, but he comes into town he tells some stories. He's invited to the hearth in the hallway. Asla can't resist the looks that she's giving him. My mind's telling me no. But my body, my body's telling me yes. While Siggy begins to have a understanding that this man might be a bad omen especially as the stories he tells about the gods are not as uh not as pc as she wants helga's into it because she just wants to be included for once and not abandon in that hut she always be at when floki goes off Now she finally can come and live in the castle when the men are away and her child can have some playmates. Plus, she's very deep into the mythology as well. But Siggy has always been that voice of reason, right? Because she's Siggy. I love her. So she goes to see the seer at the end, especially when one, he decides that Harbert, that's his name, that he can help with whatever the fuck is wrong with Ivar because he's always in a lot of pain, which causes Aslug a lot of heartache, which there is empathy there. Not being able to console a child who's in consistent pain all the time. So all of your attention and love has to be put on them. But at the same time, she doesn't understand she has other children as well. And they're feeling the neglect there due to Ivar pretty much monopolizing all of her attention because she feels he's not going to get it from anyone. So that's a bit of a conundrum situation that I can't say objectively. I don't feel uh, a great sense of her own personal pain. 
And she has been neglected by her husband. I mean, you asked him point blank, do you love me? And his uh, response. Can't go 50-50 with no hope. Was not very encouraging. Was not very encouraging. And we know once a hoe, always a hoe. So she is considering putting her, her nasty on his. And the fact that two small boys have died after this man is coming to town which may be in all fairness a coincidence but considering he is pretty much touting himself as someone with powers or some type of magical ability you know what it reminds me of very much so the uh the story of Rasputin and the the Russian uh Zares, uh what was her name katarina i know it wasn't katarina alexandria alexandra one or the other but her son he suffered from shit what did he suffer polio damn i'm really fucking up this history books but the whole thing is alexa he used to be in a whole bunch of pain um no he had hemophilia there we go because I was thinking if he fell, he would like bleed for fucking ever. And it turned out that all he did was stop the doctors from treating him, which was giving him aspirin, which caused him, you know, of course made him better, but he didn't really know this. He was just going in with all this. Uh, he, he was a con man. He was pretty much a con man. So I don't know. Maybe he slipped Ivar some, uh, some opium. <laughs> whatever he did and once again the show plays fast and loose with what they want to consider supernatural and not so it is a good question to have is he someone sent by the gods or is he someone that the gods tried to warn all three of these women about and aslug herself became the became the uh the snare like she's the one that got ensnared by by this man in her dreams because she most desired him and desire him she does and as stated that causes siggy to go see the seer be like this feels like it's not a great thing and he's like i can't tell you shit i don't know nothing and if i did know nothing i can't tell you nothing so stop asking me all these questions <laughs> I think that's enough of that storyline because that's all that happened. Let's go back to London. Let's start with the the Athelstan, Eckbert, Lagatha, and oh, why am I forgetting names right now? That's crazy because I always remember her name, Judith. <laughs> all of them are continuing their dual well, the men are, are continuing their duo seduction of the women <laughs> in opposing cultural clashes right here with Athelstan just being able to slip very easily between the two sides. Because he does. He has a great love of the Christian God and he has a great love of the, the uh, pagan gods. He does. And you can see it in his enjoyment of watching his queen perform the pagan ceremony whereas you recall him in the first episode or the what is it fourth or fifth or seventh where he saw a ceremony and he like ran the other way <laughs> like this is horrible 
but he's totally at peace with watching all of that occur and then kneeling in the dirt and saying a little prayer. Put your faith in the light. King Eckbert, however, at the top of the episode revealed himself to be the, the, not necessarily the enemy, but the untrustworthy ally that he is or we suspected he may be because the his nobles are questioning why he is so open to these pagans how could he possibly put his own people out of their own land to give it to foreigners a lot of political you know upset and that's understandable and he puts it forth that you don't understand the full dastardy of my plan. He intends to use Quinthrith as his pawn to control Wessex, grab the riches so that he can then become king of Wessex. And then whatever happens to the pagans in the future in an uncertain world is what happens to the pagans in the future of an uncertain world. Sometimes you need to work with your enemy to achieve a better goal and then we can deal with the enemy. The enemy of the enemy is my friend until so on and so forth. So he certainly is not at all uh, not considering his own political ambitions whatsoever with the use of the pagans. Does that necessarily mean that he doesn't have a true interest and desire in them? I think that that is the the conflict. It's the same thing with the Romans. Personally, on a personal level, <laughs> he truly doesn't see the pagans as these foreign, you know, I think he was at the end though, a little <laughs> wasn't enthralled as much as Judith was. <laughs> he might have been a little concerned. <laughs> But mainly his concern was, how is this going to re, how is this going to affect my people? And you have to recall, your people could overthrow you. So keeping them from insurrection is a problem he would have to deal with. And if this is the type of thing that they would have to be uh, neighbors to, he could see very much so how it would have a visceral reaction or visceral backlash. So I think he took that into consideration. Like, is this a possibility? And then seeing the reaction of the sacrifice, the full pagan ceremony of how they bless the harvest was him coming to the conclusion. Yeah, it's never going to work. Well, I've done all I can do. However, on an intellectual level, he certainly feels that there's value in Ragnar. There's value in Lagatha. Like these are great people from where they come from. And he can certainly relate to them in a lot of ways. They teach him how to farm more effectively, giving them plows. And eventually they go back to that Roman bathhouse <laughs> where the the cups flow over with wine. And both Athelstan and Eckbert got their dicks wet with their prospective interests. 
It looks like with Athelstan and Judith, there's a genuine actual love connection, whereas both Eckbert and Lagatha are certainly trying to uh, utilize each other for their own gains, as well as maybe a sexual appeal there. Once again, though, at the end, I think there was an understanding of how you're never going to be able to conquer this woman. (laughs) This woman is a conqueror in herself. You are nothing more than a little man. Let's turn finally to the the story of the war that is finally won. However, it begins with an argument between Floki and Ragnar as he continues to denounce Christians. Why are we fighting here? Uh, this is not our fight. And I, I love that it was, who am I thinking of? <laughs> give me a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> he really isn't coming to me. His brother. <laughs> It'll eventually it'll get to me. But he comes and he says to Ragnar and Floki both Rolo. Don't waste your breath. We've got a hill to climb and some of us is not going to see this dawn again. We have a friend dying. Let's not discuss why we are fighting. But Floki has a very dark, deep resentment against Christians in general. As stated previously, he's a bit of a zealot. Whereas Ragnar is thinking more with forethought. We don't have the land for our people. We need to not start off, if possible, aggressively. We should at least try peace, try cohabitation, try to, um, you know, try to build a future for our children and our children's children because it's not about us right now. And that's very true. If it was up to Ragnar, he'd be on a boat exploring the world. Never forget the man from first season where he's like, I, you know, Odin gave his eye for knowledge. I would give more than that. You know, he is someone who seeks to be informed, seeks to have knowledge in the world, these interactions. He doesn't want to necessarily be here fighting this war either, but it's going to get his his uh people a better future whereas floki is only considering his own ideas and his own influence over ragnar because that's what this is about because not only does rollo say what he does and even ragnar says well said brother and actually it's very true you know we're, we're here let's do what we got to do let's win the day let's honor our friend Let's not waste things on poisonous words. Cause not only that, remember the, 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 remember our friendship. And today may be our last fucking day on this planet. Is this how we really want to end it? Is this what, how we really want to save each other? When they get ready to head out, Quinthrith asks Ragnar to spare her brother. He's so done with her. Oh, I think that I found myself an annoying bitch. Please shut the fuck up. In the sense that he's annoyed at, you know, this is what it means to be royalty in England. (laughs) And we don't come from this fucked up stock. Uh, And the fact that, you know, he's still 
while he wants to say he's not doing the bidding of these Christians, he very much is doing the bidding of Quintith. And so while Floki's not absolutely correct at all, he's not, he doesn't have any points to make, but those points that he does hit home to is points Ragnar already is feeling. So that's what I mean by he's simply playing on his own, Ragnar's own insecurities to get him to, uh, to give this all up and just go back and get rid of all Christians. That's what he ultimately wants to do, but mostly get rid of Athelstan. <laughs> and did you see that moment where the minute his name was brought up and he realized what the, the crux of his problem really was, Ragnar rolled his eyes. <laughs> Y'all heard that shit, this was after Torsten died when they were talking the second conversation over his corpse. But Torsten went out like a fucking G as he wanted to, right? The moment where Rolo passed him and everyone's leaving him behind, he's like, you poor bastard. And he's like, no, I'm going to fight. I'm not about to die on my back. I deserve to go to Valhalla. So Rolo does that for him. I am a little disappointed that ragnar wasn't more involved in this part but i understand the delegation too i just wish there had been a last moment between torsten and ragnar there wasn't uh, other than that one moment last episode because he is now taken away from those interpersonal relationships he can't just be that he has to now handle all of this additional burden that he didn't have to deal with before so uh Torsten goes out first and volunteers and he goes out in a blaze of glory as he takes several arrows gets back up on his feet with a shield they can't believe it <laughs> and uh just as they allow him his death the uh the the vikings attack the music was pretty good the slow-mos <laughs> of everyone's face uh, so overdone at this point, but I get it. Jeff will know loves those slow-mos. And the whole time I was forgetting about uh, Aethelwulf. I forgot about him and that he went out to find the other part of that army and they were going to do, they had a plan. So the Vikings had to hold off until he can get there. Aethelwulf looks so annoyed every time <laughs> He is on the screen. He just look, he just looks so unhappy in his entire entire uh being. <laughs> Mainly because probably the Vikings got here for fucking one week. <laughs> and they took out a problem they've been trying to handle for <laughs> like 6 months to a year. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, fighting happens. Torin is injured, and I ain't gonna lie. I took a lot of satisfaction. My nigga, you just got roasted. <laughs> when they was putting face paint on each other, I visibly gagged. They both deserve what they got. Was Ragnar harsh? Yes. Yes, he was. But sometimes you gotta be harsh. He should have followed up with some words of wisdom. But apparently, that's what Uncle Rolo's for. <laughs> <laughs> and Rolo has been picking up the emotional pieces especially when it comes to his son in the last season since he's become king and I do think though Ragnar I mean he he missed out a lot of 
Bjorn's upbringing. You know, he didn't get to continue his teachings in a manner where he's not now confronting a half grown ass man that really didn't grow up with the same defining characteristics that Ragnar would have wanted to instill in him by the time he reached this age. So he's frustrated with his son and it's not a, an excuse. It's just what, what he's going through and what he's, why he's failing at it so badly because he doesn't know how to, I mean, other than the warrior back and forth, he's for, he, he's really lost and he's at a different place than he used to be, uh, different stresses than he used to be. Um, but another part of me is like, he's been watching his son make these continuous errors. And I want to say, well, he did see her put her hand on her stomach, but I guess that's not like a confirmation. You could have been talking about having a baby doesn't necessarily mean that you were pregnant and it was stupid of him i mean i can't say he was wrong when he got up in his face like uh and then not only that the first thing he mentioned was her face how do i reach these kids he rolled his eyes because he kind of felt okay this has been like a super a superficial kind of romance up until this point so he can't really take it seriously um, I don't have never even seen Ragnar interact with Torin. I don't think that he thinks this woman's good enough for his son. <laughs> but he doesn't, he also knows he can't step into his decisions and tell him not to do it. But to, but to have your pregnant girlfriend out here or soon to be wife out here in battles and she's pregnant, like, oh, I can't tell her what to do. Yeah, the fuck you actually can. <laughs> you barely even tried you you know i kind of get his i get his reaction i really do because i would have been the same exact way like you're acting you're supposed to be the son of a king and you're acting like a child and he straight slapped him and was like i can't even look at you right now and then uncle rollo was like i don't think she's gonna die because that was cruel he didn't have to say she's gonna die and it's gonna be your fault with your child in her belly that was taken a little too far too far so Rolo comes in and because even Rolo looked a little like fuck dude <laughs> so he can't chastise Ragnar for having the reaction but he's like okay she's not gonna die uh you can't whine like a little girl you need to be a man if you want to be if you're trying to prove yourself to be a man this is the time to do it bring her back from death uh and be there for her be the man that your father is disappointed in right now because uh, I know you're, you can be better. And I think that Rolo also knows what it feels like to be disappointed <laughs> by Ragnar. Granted, Rolo, you did a lot of that to yourself. So he does end up saving the, the queen's brother, despite neither one of them, Aethelwulf or Ragnar, really wanting them to do so. And she brings him to Ragnar to say he's got something to say to you like a child. He's supposed to be like a kid too. He just doesn't look like it. <laughs> like, uh, I'm sorry. So he headbunts him. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, sweetheart. Don't worry about it, sweetheart. All of this after his friend dies and his suppose it best friend floki who's supposed to be helping him through this god damn the wrong person stayed 
that's supposed to be out because I'm thinking if Athelstan was here versus Floki, or if Floki would try to at least be the 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 right hand that Ragnar really needs him to be at this moment, um, then he that could alleviate the pressure, the burdens. But instead, all he's got is people telling him what they he should do. And all of them not even attempting to have an intellectual conversation outside of we're superior, which is exactly what Floki reminds them. We, there could be no cohesion. One God is going to be more superior and the Christian God comes along. It'll take out the pagan God, which is hilarious because once again, historically, the religion simply merged. <laughs> so knowing that, and then and then hearing this back and forth between the two sides it's it's comical because so much death and destruction only to come back to the same fucking conclusion of we can actually coincide with each other i mean they moved the birth date of 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 jesus christ due to the pagan holiday they wanted to associate it with it's it's a fucking game um but <laughs> and if you go into the catholic a lot of it's the worship of idols and that's when you got the protestant religion i could go on and on and on about the the narrative changes in religion just to accommodate the people that were conquering at the time uh so that is when he tells him i don't even think you believe in our god anymore athelstan has convinced you he comes out with what he really is mad about that he thinks that he's here trying to build his christian kingdom and that he's gonna stay here and now he's gonna be friends with the king and he's just gonna forget all about us vikings and our gods and so on and so forth and he's like look i know i will meet my friend again one day so fuck you shut the fuck up and stop talking to me because you is acting way too much right now and if you keep on telling me that this shit is my fault like he really said that he said this is your fault that torsten is dead and his words were very true i didn't ask you to be here actually i didn't ask you to march your ass up that damn hill i told you if you don't want to fight you don't have to i i literally put that out there on the table for anybody and everybody who did not want to be here no one is not here by choice so stop trying to put it on me like oh well because we love you we're here for you okay but lagatha loved me and she still fucking left me because she needed to do what she need best for her okay so i need you to stop being a whiny little bitch it's pretty much how that ended for him i feel bad for ragnar in a way that he has to he's now being introduced to the strife of what it means to be a king and then you see king Eckbert over there juxtaposed very savvily uh maneuvering the politics here and how both of them are able to you know you have one man who's like oh yeah i'm not gonna allow anyone to talk back to me he's fully in control of his kingdom where you have ragnar who is not <laughs> he's got a lot of disparate voices going on because it's not uh, a monarchy it's a democracy still uh, and the people closest to him are are uh, not in the same 
you know, don't necessarily share all of the same dreams as they share. I think though, Lagatha is a lot more aligned with and tolerant of, has always been. And I think that's why Harold, or not Harold, that nasty fuck, <laughs> the king, <laughs> went after her. And that is all my thoughts on this episode thus far. I do like this season. And I am very intrigued to see the reactions to what unfolds next. We do have feedback. So let's hop into the mailbag. Mail, motherfucker! What up, Cena? It's Mimi. This is feedback for um, season three of vikings episode two um i sorry i like i like i said life's in shambles i watched this last week and i've been meaning to send feedback i don't remember much so i'm just probably gonna just do some bullet points of things i remember um the first thing i want to talk about is um bjorn because i I don't know what it was. It was probably watching that first, the season opener, episode one, and then listening to your feedback about how um, his girl is, like, not taking it seriously. Like, I just, I don't, there was, I don't know. I, I It makes me think about, about uh, Vikings on Hollow when uh, Freitas was, uh, training and then she's supposed to be suddenly like the a world-class warrior um it's like i don't care how many months you've been training if you're going against people that have been fighting for years what is the likelihood that you're going to be better or just as good as them unless that's like i'm supposed to assume that you're yeah if you have some type of you know i guess God's touch talent. I don't know. But I never got that feeling from Bjorn's girlfriend. And I want to call her Finn, but I don't think that's it. I don't, I honestly don't care. Because what I was thinking about before I even watched episode two was the fact that one of the prophecies was for Bjorn. Isn't he supposed to marry a queen or marry a princess? I'm pretty sure it says marry a queen. He's supposed to, I feel like it said he was going to marry a princess and become a king. But if his father was a king and he's the firstborn son, he would become king too. But I think it says he's going to, I think he, he's supposed to marry some type of royalty. Um, and his uh, slave girl, even though she's free, clearly was not that. So I was thinking before I even watched episode two that she was going to die. I was like, she's probably going to die in this battle because she's a fucking idiot. Um, and she's probably going to get Bjorn hurt for being an idiot. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I, I just had strong feelings that the outlook wasn't very good. Now, she didn't die, but she got beat the fuck up, and her face slashed, and it looks like they slashed like right down her eye. So I'm thinking that that's probably not going to fare well for her. We just saw what happened to, um, oh God, why am I, Torsten, and 
he lost his arm and the fate of him we found out in this episode was to die um i'm glad he could die in a blaze of uh glory fighting killing for his friends and family um so that he could go to valhalla that made me happy because i figured if he died from you know a blood infection i don't know if that still counts um and i didn't want that for him but that's besides the point I just, I don't think this is going to be a good outlook for her. Um, and I just, I just want to defend Bjorn because um, Ragnar has some audacity. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just trying to understand it. I'm thinking it from Bjorn's perspective. He fell in love with the slave girl who wasn't given choices. She was just told what to do and she had to do them. So how does he look being in love with her and forcing her not to fight? If he thought she was, like, the thing about it is, is that she never confirmed that she was with child. And I feel like after a certain age, I don't know how openly the Vikings talk to, um, talk to their kids about sex. And I don't know even if this slave girl knows anything about sex. But I feel like she would know before him if she's pregnant. He was like, I think you're with child. And he kept saying it. She never confirmed it. And, uh, you know, I feel like she would know. So the fact that she never said it, she just smiled and, you know, went about her goofy business. But she never actually said she was pregnant. So I don't know that I believe that she really is. But Bjorn believes that she is. And he loves her. And he doesn't want to force her to do anything. She wanted to fight, and he told her he didn't want her to, and she wanted to, and she told him that. So she was going to do what she wanted to do. And Bjorn, I feel like he could have forced her. He could have made Ragnar say, bitch, you're not coming. Especially if he had told her, I think she's pregnant. And uh, it would have, she would have been able to, like, they wouldn't have let her come. But it, they wouldn't have had a relationship when he came back. So I feel like he was tra trapped between two very difficult decisions and uh i think he'd have been better off making her dumbass stay because i don't know if he has these like rose colored glasses about how she's a fighter but she never looked like a good fighter to me even when they were practicing she looked terrible but that you know that's just my opinion i know i'm not a fighter i wouldn't be going off the war i would stay home with the kids, I'd be like a Siggy. I know my place in the world. She clearly does not. So um, when Ragnar basically dragged the shit out of him, and like, what did he? He said something that had my mouth dragging to the floor, like, like you're no son of mine, or you know, you let her come. Basically, calling him a fucking idiot and worthless and dumb and a shitty son, a shitty husband a shitty protector just like ripping this man who's already fucking down already fucking like devastated already feeling like a worthless future husband a worthless future father he just ripped him to shreds and i just sat there with my mouth open like oh my god ragnar are you fucking kidding me why are you being like this and think about, like, I remember when, um, at season one, when she wanted to come raiding, and, uh, 
it was before they had Appleston and uh, Appleston, and then uh, he was like, "You have to stay here to watch our kids and to look after the farm." And she still wanted to come, but she made a decision for her children. What what's keeping like she? she I just why I don't think she's pregnant. She just wanted to come. Like, what would be her reason for staying? I I don't want to be around these people. I was just enslaved to. Now I now I can actually have life and have meaning. I want to do something more. So I mean, he if if Lagatha wanted to come back then, I don't think Ragnar would have been able to stop her. And I don't know. I might just be you know painting Lagatha in a way that she isn't. But I I feel like if she would have had like if she would have been like well I can have so and so watch them and I trust them I'm coming what the fuck Ragnar would have done he's just sitting there fucking with the with a pouty mouth and scooting over so she could sit beside him in the fucking boat that's what would have happened and for him to sit there and be like this like with uh like I think you've been with uh Aslog so long you forgot that some women do like to fight <laughs> Aslog as can't do shit but have children and raise them i think she's a good mom i think she raises like she's doing the best she can um under the circumstances <laughs> she <laughs> when when ragnar's around she's a whiny little brat but she's a good mom um and that that is what she does like not all women are like that and um maybe for um her you know, um, Bjorn's girl, you know, being a good mom is being a fighter and not allowing your kids to ever, you know, encounter being enslaved. Maybe that's what she thinks a good mom is. I don't know, but I just, I'm not okay with the way Ragnar treated Bjorn and this shit really, like, sent me. <laughs> um, the other thing is, um, I don't know, the, the storyteller, the Gleeman, if you will, that came um, to Kattegat, um, I, I don't get an evil vibe from him. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to. Um, I feel like he's probably going to be, like, I feel like they try to mislead us. Like, bad stuff is happening, and he's going to be the one to help them see through it. I could be being played. I don't know. But I feel like so much bad stuff has already happened in Kattegat that their luck is changing. I don't know if we ever get to see any of the gods, but they, they, they say that they walk amongst them. Um, so I'm thinking maybe we will, maybe we'll get to see one. Maybe we'll get to see one of the gods in real uh, time. We'll see. Um, I thought it was hilarious uh, the whole uh, Roman bathhouse scene. Um, the fact that the king and his daughter-in-law just gonna be naked in, in the hot tub. Like, granted, they're like not thinking about each other. Um, but Lagatha was all about it. Like, drinking her wine, Appleton. Like, dude is like, I don't know. It's just something strange about the fact that the king knows that his daughter-in-law is infatuated 
it probably like you can tell when she looks at Eccleston that she's sexually attracted to him. That he finds it so funny that he's trying he's trying to be her wingman and she fucking around and not finding out. And I don't understand like this whole fucking scenario cracks me the fuck up. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about it. Because this is your son's wife, the mother of your grandchild, and you are trying to get her to slip and fall on top of Ephesus' penis. And I, for the life of me, cannot understand why he's doing this. It's fucking hilarious, and I want to see it play out, but it just boggles my mind. Um, and I, it looked like um, Lagatha and him were like kind of like kind of having sex in that hot tub. And I don't know if, if, if that's what it was, that's what it looked like to me. Um, I'm curious to see where this shit goes. Um, I'm curious to see if uh, Ragnar finds out. Um, he might be more mad that um, Athelstan is fucking with the princess. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> he might not. He might not care that Lagatha is boning the king. I don't know. But I do think that this is going to be beneficial when she get back to her earldom and she find out that uh, Kelf is uh, trying to take over. So I guess, I guess that's something. Um, I like I said, I don't remember everything. Those are the things that stuck out to me. Um, so I'm going to end it here. Um, until next time, love, peace, hair, grease, the black girl magic, queen of the couch, me now. Thank you, Queen Mimi, for your thoughts on the episode. So we agree and slightly disagree on a f- well, actually, I think only one point really. Um, you know that like I have to try to have a threesome with a uh, <laughs> with Athelstan too with Ragnar. So I just thought it was funny they both were in a situation in which their body parts could be entangled. But that would explain why she's just like totally cool with it. Like, yeah, I don't get, you know, they're they're used to having sex where other people are nearby. <laughs> Doesn't bother them at all. Um, I feel like with with King Eckbert. Yeah, it is weird, but I do feel that he wants Athelstan to stay. What's the first thing he did when he showed up? He took him to their little Roman room where they explored things together, gave him back his cross that he left behind, actually forced him to take it. And then all of a sudden, Judith is kind of being thrown in his face as this lure. She clearly wants him. He's like, yeah, I guess I will fuck that. Um, And I don't think he has a lot of respect for his son. (laughs) I mean, clearly the fact that he's using his wife as a pawn, as a lure to uh, to emotionally tie Athelstan to his side of things. I mean, he was so eager. I need Athelstan here where Ragnar is like, yeah, no, you can you can have him. Yeah, sure. And I think he has every, I think he very much knows what Eckbert is probably going to try to pull because um, they both have the same fondness for the man. They both are able to express parts of themselves that they cannot express with their peers in their respective lands because Athelstan, as you can see, is the only person that is even close to being as emotionally intelligent as they are. So the one part that we are slightly disagreeing, oh, by the way, good catch on the prophecy. 
So you also know that Ragnar knows that prophecy. So you have to think in his mind, not making any excuses. Because that's where we agree. I don't think that he should have went that hard on his son. <laughs> He's still very young. Um, you have too many expectations of him uh, based on where you actually are in his place in his life and what you've been doing since he's been back in his life. It hasn't been you training your son it's been Rolo you've been training Athelstan you've been you you've been your mind is elsewhere right now and so to have all these expectations on your son is a little unfair you're still going to need to parent him and not parent down to him however I don't think that he's wrong in the respect of there's no way in hell you should have let your pregnant girl I'm not of the opinion that she didn't acknowledge her pregnancy because she did he's like i believe that you're with child and then she grabbed his hand and put it on her belly <laughs> and pretty much confirmed and smiled at him there were many conversations where she could have simply said the words you believe i am with child i don't know if you even suspect that you're with child though that is enough for me <laughs> it doesn't matter yes i do think lagatha would certainly but Lagatha's smarter. She would never put her children or her possible child in harm's way due to her ego. And that's where Torin is, in my opinion, um, in the wrong. No matter the fact that she wanted to be her own choice, so on and so forth. I get all of that. But you yourself as a woman need to make a conscious decision about the safety of your future child. No, you wanted to go out there and prove yourself plain the warrior like lagatha like she's some type of like you know it's like growing up and you're still trying to uh it's like that girl in the last episode of vikings of Ahala. it's like if that girl decided to then go outside and, and you see what happened to her like oh i can do a little bit so i can go out and try to prove myself yeah you might make good strides in it but you're far from ready to be taking on the battles that you're just not simply prepared for and it is a choice that she has to make she just made the wrong fucking choice um Bjorn yes <laughs> should have like what uh, I love that you brought up that that exact example because that's what I was going to use as how Lagatha wanted to do something and Ragnar was like okay I can't really tell you you can't do that but let me provide you the case of why you should not go and then he even offers, well, fine, you go, then I stay. So yes, it was manipulative, but it was in a manner of having some control over the situation. And Ragnar, I keep saying, is the exception to the rule. And so is fucking Lagatha. Most men, yeah, no. <laughs> they would have more firm control of their woman. And simply put, he should have made it clear, like I do not and will not accept you putting your life in danger. That's something we can discuss here or something we can bring to the king. Because personal and professional, those are two things that even the king is responsible for. Like, what do I look like putting a pregnant girl out in combat? Not only that, the, the pregnant girl of my son, but I think that he just never took to her anyway because of that prophecy. I think that has something to do with it too. It's like, I know my son is, is meant for bigger and better things. He's just not seeing it in the boy yet. He's not. And that's on Ragnar. Uh, he didn't need to, he should have been 
more of a father to him in that moment and saved his anger for later but playing devil's advocate and again not an excuse considering the shit ton that Ragnar's have to deal with including mind you which no one's touched on the fact that he's injured (laughs) he's walking around with a wound that could easily be infected and yet he can't rest he can't stop he has to deal with this voice and this voice and that voice he just lost a very close friend he can't even mourn that he has to continue to deal with all of this so it just it's playing on his psyche and that's why we're seeing the wrong reactions to situations where i feel like ragnar from season one would have had a better handle on but good feedback as always i look forward to hearing your thoughts on the next episode if you want to join in the conversation once again blackercouch at gmail.com until next time peace hair grease and blacker magic Correct.